Welcome to the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. It's February 15, 2013, and this is episode 361. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website, blog, or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off your first purchase on new accounts, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code MBP2. And we have a real treat in store for you today. I know that a lot of you are hungry for business-related information, and I don't get a chance to really talk about this myself very much, but today we have an hour-long chat with Corwin Hebert, who's David Duchemin's manager, basically, but he's also an accomplished author and a really, really sharp person when it comes to the creative side of business. So let's jump into the conversation with Corwin. Okay, so I'm very happy to be here today with Corwin Hebert, who's manager to David DeChemin and author of numerous numerous books on creative business and management. And lucky for us, Corwin has agreed for me to record this conversation. So welcome to the show, Corwin. Great. Hey, uh, thanks, Martin. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. I've, I've been looking forward to this. Uh, we spoke about uh, having a chat like this a, a while ago, um, and both of our schedules have been a bit uh, hectic. So it's really nice to finally be here on Skype with you. Excellent. So um, what we're going to do, you've uh, obviously you've just released a couple of, of books. You've got one in the real world. Um, if you'll, you know, if that's a, and, and I hope that's not an inappropriate way of saying it. It's a hard copy, a uh, a book that you can buy from Amazon called Living the Dream, and you've also just put out another, a second, Craft and Vision ebook that is a follow up to your first one, Growing the Vision Monger. So that's you've got two of those out now. And first of all, I wanted to talk about these books um, because. You know, I've I've almost got through them, and I'm I'm very very happy that someone is finally writing books for photographers or for the business side for creative people. So uh, let's talk about about these a little bit. Um, what can you give us a, a quick rundown on what Living the Dream is about? Yeah, Living the Dream is a business book for creative people. So the subtitle is called Putting Your Creativity to Work and Getting Paid. Mm. And as we both know, being creative and being in the marketplace is hard work. It's it's not easily done. And uh, so I wanted to take some of the mystery out of starting and growing a creative small business. So Living the Dream, it, uh, you know, the, the goal of the book is to help a creative person uh, outline and focus on their target market and what they offer their target market to um, tackle some of the business planning aspects to the elements of building rapport with people you want to generate money from. I tackle some of the things like financial and legal risk. And then I get into some of the marketing stuff, some of the, you know, the really what creative people would think would be the fun stuff, but, you know, to take it from a business standpoint, to look at how to get people curious and to generate demand for your work, building a marketing plan, uh, building a sphere of influence and of, of people instead of just networking and self-promoting, how can you build genuine relationships that um, develop 
the success of your business, uh, and then when you're when you're getting online, how to approach your web world in a way that actually attracts buyers. So I really the the scope of living the dream is really really big. Mm. I try to accomplish a lot, but that's because I believe creative people have a lot of questions and they have a lot of concerns about how they're going to you know pay bills, how they're going to generate money, and how they're going to um, build a business for the future. A lot of creative people start with a you know kind of a freelance idea like hey I just want to do this more but then they start getting um, pay they start sort of developing um, a reputation they want to do it more and uh, it's hard work so I want to help them um, get there uh, with some of those aspects yeah uh, from what I've read so far you certainly you've certainly achieved that it's uh that I'm I think that this uh Turning into a little bit of a Bible for the photographer or for creative people. I'm going to keep saying photographers, I know I am, because it's it's my angle. But, you know, any creative person was obviously going to benefit from reading these books. Uh, but you uh, you put a, a, a bit of emphasis through both books um, and also in the interviews that you do in uh, Growing the Vision Monger 2. You, you, um, you talk a lot about being or, or not so much surround um, the way I would say it is surrounding yourself by um, other creative people. How important do you think it is for for people to sort of to to communicate and build real relationships with other creative people rather than just the promotion side that you were talking about? Yeah, I think it's imperative in both Living the Dream and my latest ebook, Growing the Vision Longer Two. Um, I I highlight the importance of creative people not being kind of isolated, not being stuck um, in their own uh, you know, stuck in their basement or stuck mm-hmm. in their own creative world because what happens is is that stagnant um, uh, when cr- your creativity becomes stagnant and your inputs go down and you're not pushing the creative envelope and you're not experiencing the joys of you know um, of collaboration, whether that's just by you know support of other people or the um, uh, energy to sort of gather with friends and put a project together, um, you you can lose touch. You can lose touch of the marketplace. You can lose touch of um, what's in demand, what's the need out there and how to uh, keep people, uh, you know, uh, serviced. And then I also think that when you're, as, as a creative person, when you stop the flow of inputs, you stop exposing yourself to new ideas, to new interests, to sort of that that developing of not just your craft, but sort of the other things that make up who you are as an individual, what makes you unique. Mm. Um, You can really fall flat when it comes to um, building uh, new relationships and and getting people excited. A lot of people are looking for that new marketing, you know, angle. Mm. And sometimes it's like, you know, if you're not an interesting person, <laughs> you know, if you're not, if you're not pushing the creative envelope and you're not being a part of the, the creative community within your target market, uh, within your um, sort of your local area, even, uh, it just means that you're going to be out of touch. And mm. so I think it's really important. Yeah. I'm, I'm, can't agree more it's uh you know i remember in my business life you know before i i was doing photography as the only way to feed my, myself and my family i was uh, i was in a, a business environment and i always felt as though you know especially if i could get to visit other offices where and meet people that i'd never met before in person you, you feed off them incredibly uh, you know as from a business side and now while you know i'm i'm taking groups of people to to various places around the world and i 
you know, because of the the sort of person that comes on the tour, I always get really fired up with just just and really, um, I get a lot of influence and inspiration from the group that I work with. I mean, I'm there as you know, supposedly the instructor, but you can't fail to be around other photographers that do a great job of what they're doing and actually be inspired by what they're creating as well. And, you know, but I think because, I mean, I'm, I'm not a working photographer as in I don't do that many assignments where someone says, we need this to be photographed, you come and do it and we'll pay you X amount of money. The majority of my business plan is built around the tours and around the, you know, actually teaching photography rather than um, doing it as an assignment photographer. So I I don't get the sort of the daily access or or you know exposure to a a lot of uh, other creative people. It's more for me when I actually get out in the field. So I the the flip side of that is that I do feel a little bit as though I get out of touch when I'm just stuck in my office all of the time. Um and and I no, I noticed in one of your books you you said just give yourself a task to get up and get out and out of the house in the morning. And that rang really true with me because some days I get up and I'm just, I'm at the computer. I'll maybe do a little bit of work in the studio, do a few things, but I'm, I'm often just doing the business side from morning until evening and it can, it can drain you a little bit. Um, Yeah. Like when, when people say to me that they're not good with networking, they're not good at that type of relation, relational marketing, mm. uh, then usually the best, you know, sort of solution to that is, um, you know, it's probably because you're 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 not exposing yourself to people enough. And the best way to get around that is plan your errands and your meetings for first thing in the morning mm. to get you out of the house to get you know. It might even be personal meetings, right? It might be personal appointments. It doesn't matter. Book that stuff first thing in the morning to kind of get you out to get you wearing you know proper clothes, not your pajamas <laughs> or you know you just rolled out of bed, right? And that's the one of the challenges of a freelancer or a creative independent life is that. You can start, you can get really casual with yourself and you might not be a very good boss to yourself if you sort of treat your work like that. So get up, get out of the house and get working and being around people. And it's amazing how that can spark things like coffee meetings that can spark things like sharing personal projects with someone. And ultimately, if you were to, you know, in those relationships, start putting together, say, a, a collaboration or, or a connection in some way, uh, then you can really start to... Um, uh, uh, you know, explore creative ideas and and ultimately get to know other people, and that's where um, that's where self promotion comes into play. When you know you're spreading the word about what you're doing, and you're doing it to people who haven't heard you say it 150 times, and that's uh, a real challenge for a lot of people. Is they feel like they're hitting the same people, uh, you know, over the head 100 times because um, you know they're so used to hearing them. So yeah, you know, your business model is a is a photography education model, right? Mm, yeah. And a lot of photographers um, aren't at that point where, you know, um, they should be educating others. Uh, You know, many, um, you know, it's their role, um, why they entered the marketplace um, isn't to teach, it's it's for that service. It's that photography as a service or photography um, as an art form. And so the the way in which that business gets organized and marketed, you know, it has to be an expression of who they are, what they're most excited about, what really um, excites them, what stories they want to tell. And the marketing of that, um, you know, it's, it's hard. It's always hard. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, the thing with me is that I knew from the start that I, I wanted to always be a, 
at the sort of photography that people would look at my work and and want to take want to go with me to the places that I I go to to shoot them, um, and so for me, being a good photographer, um, you talk a lot in your books about honing your craft and and making sure that you're that you actually are on top of your game. And without that, I think none of it's possible. But once you once you get to the point where you and and we never get to the we never reach the goal, but once you get past the point where your work is good enough to be to be able to inspire others, then I think you've got a, a number of different avenues that you should explore. And and probably, you know, I'm, I'm, this is kind of going to be a question as well, but I mean, I, I haven't only built my business around the tours. I've got a number of things that I do. And I, you know, from a business perspective, it's always important to have multiple revenue streams, if possible. So relying on one particular form of revenue uh, can be dangerous so i mean do you agree with that is would you normally try to get people to to figure out how to how to generate multiple revenue streams yeah you know a lot of emerging creative talent you know they would love the problem of you know only having one really good revenue stream yeah <laughs> the reality is is that when your money comes from one big client or from just one part of the market, uh, you are susceptible to, you know, the ebbs and flows of normal business. You know, yeah. people, people change, businesses change. Um, you know, the, uh, I don't, I don't think it's hard to remember what happened in 2008 when suddenly, you know, the credit crunch hit and, mm -hmm. and, you know, people stopped spending and sometimes they stopped spending because their budgets were were gone or sometimes there was just fear there was just concern and you know and and that situation showed a lot of people the you know the challenge of marketing money for example is usually the money that dries up the quickest or expendable you know kind of vacation money um kind of gets set aside or doesn't get spent when you know there's worries so multiple revenue streams um are uh, are definitely required in fact mm -hmm. I was talking with a business friend of mine who uh, we were we were looking at revenue streams for creative people, and and he was just reminding me, you know, um, creative people think that their business is built on being creative for hire. In reality, you're not building a creative business; you're building revenue streams, and your creativity is just one of the ways that you service that. So, uh, for as often as people want to try to create interesting business offerings you really want to create as much diversity in the way in which you generate re revenue so that you can deal with those ebbs and flows without it being so personal mm. and creative people take you know a loss of a contract or a loss of a renewal or someone not coming back or someone saying no to your proposal and they take it personal and the reality is is that you know it's business it's mm. you know Every decision is personal. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it is, and and you know, independent creative people when they are marketing their work, really they're marketing themselves as mm -hmm. much as their creativity, because there's a lot of trust that happens when there's an exchange for money. But all that to say is, when there's a an an alternate revenue stream in your in your work, you can say, hey, you know what, I you know I get that, I understand there, you know, okay, this part of my business, it's going to be a little bit quieter right now. Well, that gives me a little bit more time to focus on other revenue streams that seem to be working. And again, it could be it could be education, it could be fine art, um, it could be other aspects that are maybe uh, maybe aren't isolated exactly on the same thing that your other revenue streams are connected to, but it's 
part of your personality. It's part of your expertise and you're kind of being creative with where your revenue is coming from. So yeah, I agree. I think that uh, creative people should always push the envelope on where their money comes from. And that's why I'm not too worried about the day job or the part-time job. And, you know, creative people are always wanting to go pro, like making this giant leap into full-time creative work. Um, the reality is, is that paying all of your bills plus plus mm. is it's very difficult to do, and that um, takes a lot of um, that takes a lot of revenue. And uh, you know, for people that are worried, like I just I want to quit my day job. Well, you can you know you can do that, but wow, what an unbelievable strain on your creative work. Um, mm. You know, some people shouldn't wish for that too quickly. They should enjoy the the process of of getting there and and not pushing the um, you know not pushing it too quickly. Absolutely, I I, uh, I mentioned. In a recent podcast, because um, it's been um, it's been about three years, just over three years now since I I left my my nice comfortable day job to do this, um, you know, solely make a living solely from photography, um, or and the peripheral activities. But um, I mentioned that recently, and someone uh, on Google Plus, uh, a, a guy that I you know we we have a lot of great interaction, he said, "Wow, I didn't realize it had only been a couple of years. Um, how did you do it?" And so I had to then explain that for me, it would be scary for me to to think that people would would believe that you could make a success of this in just a couple of years. Because the truth is that I spent uh, four four and a half five years working really hard to build a brand and to build and to to build a circle of people that would possibly help to support me or or throw me bones. Um, once I had taken the leap. And so, I mean, it's, I'm really in the 10th year when you add it all up. Um, it's at least eight years since I started to really build the brand that I'm using right now. So you, I, I always say to people, you know, do whatever you can while you've still got that day job and, and do it until the, the day job starts to be badly or, you know, negatively affected by what you're trying to build up on the photography side. Uh, and that was the that was the catalyst for me, really. What once I got to it, or the tipping point, once I got to the point where I knew that I was starting to protect my time for photography, um, to the you know the the ill uh, ill effect of having my my business side start to go down a little bit. Then I thought, okay, now it's time to make the jump. Uh, but also, of course, the revenue. You needed I needed to know that I was already generating enough revenue to know that once I made the leap. And had more time to to work on the business side of the photography, then it would probably over a, a couple of years build to a point where it would support me. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, just starting from a position where jumping into it with nothing is is suicide. Yeah, there's a an illustrator in San Francisco. Her name her name is Jessica Hish, mm. and she coined the phrase "procrasto working." Oh yeah, <laughs> because it was while she was doing her day job, she would sort of, you know, push her day job duties off to the side of her desk and, you know, loved working on side projects and other stuff for clients. Inevitably, it it meant that her, her work day was like 17 hours long to get all of the work done for her day job and for her other, you know, side projects and freelance clients. But it's because she would push um, you know, the work she didn't want to do to the end of the day when mm. she was tired she or exhausted or fried, she would work on, you know, well, the non-important stuff. But mm. the important stuff 
got her best energies. And, um, you know, when you have a day job that can handle those, um, that, that variable, you know, of your energy or your schedule or your enthusiasm or your workload, you know, that's ideally now, not everyone's day job can, is that flexible where they can handle, you know, those ebbs and flows. But the reality is, is that there's, um, bit of a moonlighting scenario that needs to happen. And most creative people are really uncomfortable with that. Uh, I, I, as a business manager, I like to encourage them to be, a, be get a little bit more comfortable with it because the support that a day job or a part-time job or other revenue, you know, non-creative revenue, if you want to call it that, that, that creates that buffer for your creativity and for those margins. And yes, it can be uh, overwhelming when it comes to your schedule sometimes, uh, but create the buffers that you can. And sometimes that financial buffer, it makes all the difference in those early years. Mm, absolutely. And and we're kind of touching on there as well. Another thing that you talk about, um, you, you said working 17 hours and that's with the day job. I, when I quit my job, I expected that I would have more time to do the photography stuff. But the reality is, is that when you when you're doing this as a business, especially with just you and maybe maybe an, a, a partner or something, you've got a lot of responsibilities that you and business side activities that you have to feel, fulfill. So, I found that I'm working harder now than a lot harder now than I was when I still had the day job and I was doing the photography part time. And the the thing that you mention a lot in your books is that this, this, it's hard work. You know, to to do this, you, you can't expect to just jump in and become a successful photographer overnight. You've got to really work hard to build something. And yeah, I mean, what do you what do you think about? Have you got any any comments surrounding that? Because I'm I know it's something that you've touched on. Yeah, I mean, creativity is hard work. It should be hard work. the The marketplace expects that creativity is difficult to produce, especially on demand. Mm. So, for you know, photographers that are for hire, um, you know, the expectation in the marketplace is is you know we can't do this ourselves. We need a you know we need someone who knows what they're doing to pull this off and to really make you know these images you know sing for us. And so the effort that goes into building a business to meet those needs, I mean, that's the blood, sweat, and tears of it all. And I, I applaud the creative people that, you know, put their, their freelance or their small business idea on their shoulders and, you know, day and night, you know, whether it's in notepads or on their computer or it's in the weekends, it's in the margins of their, of their mental energy and of their schedule that they, they hammer it out to get it done right as best they can. Uh, you know, that is, that is a commendable thing. So uh, I, I think that when, when if someone, for example, has been, you know, uh, they've been a working photographer for a while, they they do it in the margins and they see someone young or someone new um, suddenly get some success and, you know, they it's easy to become bitter or frustrated. Uh, you know, and I often hear, you know, the excuse, oh, well, that person knows so-and-so or that person got a, a lucky break or whatever. The reality is, is that you're probably right. They probably did get a break or they probably did know someone. So who do you know? Mm-hmm. And opportunity can you make for yourself, you know, in the next little while? And it's really about you just rolling up your sleeves and and doing what you can. And you're right. I think that if people can, you know, if photographers can have a mindset of, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, 
take a, a long game approach to this. It's not a flash in the pan. It's not about what gigs can I book tomorrow? What work can I get, you know, next week? It's really about, you know, um, next month. It's about next quarter. It's about next year. Uh, and kind of take a longer approach. One's creativity won't be so strained and one's finances won't be so, you know, angst mm. <laughs> with credit cards building up or whatever. And, and uh, you know, you can enjoy the process a lot more because as soon as a photographer really stops, you know, honestly loving making photographs, they very quickly become useless yeah. to the very people they think they can serve. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, look is, is always going to be a part of it. And, you know, in the photograph, in, you know, actually in the field, you, you've got to be, lucky sometimes that the sun comes out or the sun goes in or the big clouds roll over and stuff like that but with with the photograph if you're not there if you don't do the hard work to actually get yourself in the field and and be there ready for it and have the technical skills to capture the image the way you, the way you want to it's not going to happen and i think the same goes for the you know for the breaks that we get i feel incredibly lucky to have been invited to to write for craft and vision with you know with you and david and I, I know that part of that. I, I, there's probably people out there saying, "Oh, yeah, well, he was he was lucky. He knows David." I, the only reason that I got invited was because of the hard work that I'd put in to actually get myself out there and start to build a brand and start to get known. Because if if I'd not done that hard work and laid the foundations, then David would never have heard of me anyway. So, you know, it all comes back down to even if even if there's an aspect of luck in there involved you what what's that that's there's an old adage it's like look favors the hard worker or something like that yeah exactly. you, you've got to work for it so yeah but um one before we move on one of the things that I did want to say is that I and this is really just to clarify for the listeners uh but I although I've said it's hard work there's I've never been happier in my life in what I'm doing than I am now and even though I'm working from from the moment I get up until the moment I go to bed, maybe with a couple of maybe one movie and a few beers in, inter, intermingled in there through the week, but apart from the 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 odd time when I will just sit down and, and grab a beer and watch a movie, it's just work, work, work. But I I almost feel bad calling it work because I enjoy it so much. Even the business side, say we have someone on like a retainer who's who's basically doing all of our accounting. But I have to go and work with him each month and he teaches me the business side. And, you know, running a corporation here in Japan means that I have to know a lot of stuff about the business side and all of the forms we have to submit and all of that. But I'm really enjoying actually learning about that aspect. And I think that it's making me uh, more valuable as a businessman. And, you know, even if all of this fell through, I'd probably be able to get a better job somewhere else if you know, with all of what I now know. So learning about the business side is, is really enjoyable for me as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Being a creative, being a creative entrepreneur is like being a, a creative student, right? You're always learning from the creativity, creativity side and mm. you're always learning on the business side. And, you know, you, you mentioned, um, uh, the, the sort of the, 
the, the weirdness around a work-life balance that doesn't really exist. And that's because you're creative and your job is to be creative and to share that creativity with other people and create opportunities for them to also be creative. So, you know, it's a great problem to have when you're, you know, the work you do, it's just, it's who you are. It's part of your personality. It's part of your nature as a humanoid. And you can't really separate the two. And that's, I think a lot of people would look at the work that you're doing kind of going, yeah, he is lucky because he gets to have that sort of work-life, you know, um, uh, mashup that, you know, that a lot of people crave. And I think that you said it, you took years to build that. That didn't just happen overnight. Mm, yeah. But it, for for now, I mean, it, although it's still a lot of hard work and I, and I still have to um, – wonder how I'm going to be paying the rent for the next uh, the next few months sometimes uh, I do really and I'm going to say something really corny here but I do really feel as though I'm living the dream so it's uh, it's been great to to get, get through at least at least most of the way through your book I'm looking forward to finishing that um and I I, I should also mention that I'll put some links to your book in the in the show notes for today and the blog post will be at mbp.ac slash 361 so uh if if people are interested come along and check that out and i'll put links to to everything that we talk about in that blog post and before we continue with the second half of the conversation with corwin i'd just like to remind you that this episode is brought to you by squarespace.com the fast and easy way to create a high quality website blog or online portfolio Squarespace gives you and your website users the best mobile experience. Squarespace have developed new templates with mobile-ready responsive designs, which means that your site automatically restructures and looks great on any brand of smartphone, tablet or computer. When you add an image to your site, seven different versions are created so that the correct side loads for the device. So your site looks professionally designed no matter how it's viewed. It has beautiful templates with 100% drag and drop functionality for all customization tools. There are new page builder tools called the layout engine that enable you to customize pages in seconds by adding blocks of content such as photos, videos, text, social media content and immediately preview the layout as you go. This makes it even easier for anyone to build a site. You can automatically import, sync and publish to and from social media with a few clicks, dynamically refreshing your site content and raising awareness in your social circles. For example, automatically pull photos from Instagram into your site, instantly sync pages and galleries to Facebook, auto-publish new blog entries on Twitter. Social media buttons to connect with all of the services that you love through Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Instagram, Foursquare, Dropbox, LinkedIn, Pinterest, StumbleUpon and more. Squarespace has award-winning design team and user experience experts. They created a whole new set of sophisticated design templates that reflect modern web style using highly intuitive navigation. Each template has hundreds of customization options available to change grid layout, color, over 300 fonts and more. Squarespace integrates all of your website needs, domains, design, development, hosting and customer support. 
It's a unified service, making it faster and easier than ever to create a high-quality website, blog, or online portfolio. For a free trial, go to squarespace.com, sign up for a free account. No credit card is needed. Just try it out and start building your website. Then if you decide to purchase it, use the offer code MBP2 and get 10% off your first purchase on new accounts. And this includes monthly or annual plans. So if you if you like it, and I know you're going to, you'll save more money going for the annual plan. So that's squarespace.com and use the offer code MBP2. Everything's there for you to create an exceptional website. And now back to our conversation with Corwin. You also, we mentioned that you've just released also a follow-up to Growing the Vision Monger. Can you tell us a little bit about that book? Yeah, so the first Growing the Vision Monger book, it was a bit of a follow-up to David Dushman's uh, print book called um, Vision Mongers. Mm. The idea of, you know, making a life and living, um, you know, from uh, photography. So I wrote an ebook as sort of a, you know, kind of picking up on that conversation and kind of saying, you know, what are some things that a business manager could teach a photographer about growing their own photography business? So, you know, I am not a photographer. I am the worst photographer you'll ever meet. David often refers uh, to me as someone that doesn't know the difference between a F-stop and a bus stop. So, I, you know, I'm pretty dangerous uh, person. In fact, this last trip David and I were on, um, I was um, helping him as sort of a bit of a producer and an assistant. Um, even though I'm his business manager, I kind of came along for the trip. I'm also good friends with him. And he gave me a video camera to, you know, capture some behind the scenes footage. Well, three weeks later, you know, we're, we're back home and and he looks at the footage and he goes, yeah, that, that'll be the last time I give you a, a camera to do <laughs> Anything. I mean, I'm, I'm really horrible. And, you know, I set the expectations low. But um, uh, so when I started um, writing ebooks for Craft and Vision, you know, my role there um, when it comes to content for photographers is to say, hey, if you are putting your photography out there for, you know, for service, um, to, for people to give you money to either buy your work or to hire you to do work for them, uh, I, you know, I have some things to say about how you go about building your business, how you go about managing it, how you handle yourself as a freelancer, as a small business owner, operator, and how you market it. You know, how do you spread the word about, uh, you know, what you do and how you do it? And how do you get people excited about wanting to hear more about your prices, more about, you know, the work that you do, how you can help them? So um, growing the vision monger, you know, one, if you will, was sort of the beginning of that conversation. Um then uh, just a few months ago, a couple, sorry, a month ago, um, I put out Growing the Vision Monger too because I wanted to carry on that conversation. I wanted to talk uh, a little bit more um, kind of in the context of what other photographers are saying. So uh, I picked up the phone and I called uh, Wonderful Machine. They're an, an agency uh, based in the United States. And I kind of said, hey, I'd like to talk with some of your representative photographers and just ask them some candid questions about what it, what's it like for them to, you know, from if they were to do it all over again, what would they do? What's it like making money? What's it like keeping clients happy? So all the way through Growing the Vision Monger 2, there's um, interviews with, you know, photographers that are doing it, that are, uh, you know, making a living, um, making photographs. And I really wanted to provide some sort of like 
context to my business marketing advice with, here's what photographers are saying. So uh, it was a really, really fun EVIC project. And when it came out in mid-January, it was literally the day before I got on the plane to fly to Kenya. And, uh, you know, I had no idea, you know, it had been three years since my last, um, you know, growing the Vision Monger book. So I wasn't quite sure where it was at. But, you know, there's an unbelievable desire out there right now for people to take these, you know, amazing cameras that they have in their hands and to do something for, you know, uh, the sake of starting a, a small business. So it's been really fun to sort of see what questions and, and concerns and worries and, and uh, you know, problems I can solve for, for people with their business and marketing issues. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really enlightening to, to go through and read the, uh, the, you, the, it's basically just for the listeners here as well. Um, the, all of these interviews are, they're set out in mostly two pages well, three, I guess, because you've got a photo from the photographer as well. Um, but then uh, it, it goes into a number of, of pretty much set questions that Corwin asks the photographer each time. But they all give a totally different view of what they should have done better and what they what they do well that they what, that they think that is is really contributing to their success. Uh, but there's there's a a theme that runs through it and. I'm not going to give too much away here. You should run out and buy it. It's like $5. It's a no-brainer. So we won't give too much away, but really it's uh, the way you've read it out, the way you've laid it out, um, it's like you've got little gems on each page, and I'm, I'm really enjoying working through the book. Cool. Yeah. It's, I mean, one of the things uh, I love about it is, is that there's not only themes between each of the photographers, but there's also, you know, real, <laughs> there's some contrasting, you know, ideas and, in, in, in I love the fact that, you know, there, there's not one way to get this done. There's not one way to, you know, to, to make it, uh, you know, everyone kind of approaches their creative work, their photography in, in the way that they, you know, can do best at the time or that they know how at the time. And, um, you know, there, there isn't a magic formula. So I was glad to be able to show that and kind of just say, you know what, everyone just, everyone's, it's so it seems like a lot of photographers are looking, you know, to sort of find that recipe for success. You know, a lot of people that are successful, they 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 grounded out themselves. They mm. figured their own way based on their own relationships, based on their own unique passions or personalities or opportunities or you know barriers to you know whether it's just amazing to see that. So I enjoyed seeing both the you know uh, what there was in common and what there wasn't. Yeah, it's it's great stuff. Um, so yeah, as again for the listeners, I'm going to put a, a link to this, and there's there's a bundle you can buy both. Uh, growing the vision monger and two the second part uh for just eight dollars so really these are no-brainer it's less or for each book it's less than the price of a coffee so so do grab those um but let's let's jump on i've got a couple of questions for you that i i wanted to ask um firstly how did you get started doing what you do that's a good question can i say <laughs> ate it up <laughs> <laughs> Uh, professional answer. Um, you know, I mean, my, my business is that I'm a business manager for creative entrepreneurs. And so really what that, what that means is that my wife, Eileen and I have a business called Tandem Agency and, you know, we help our creative clients focus on what they do best. That's, that's creativity, right? They, our clients focus on being creative and we take care of the business stuff. So, you know, we take 
the the stuff that you know doesn't you know go into the creative part so there's so many other aspects to starting and growing a creative a successful creative small business and we like to help our clients uh, take care of those things so uh you know o- over the few years that um that I've done it I mean it's lo- looked a lot of different ways you know and I'll, I'll answer your question honestly I uh, came into um, independent work um, about eight years ago mm-hmm. and had a real passion for um, event production and event marketing. And, you know, I, I definitely consider myself creative in, in a lot of ways. And uh, I found the, the in type of investment that I could put into event planning and event production sort of tapped into a lot of my um, interests. And a lot of the aspects of my creativity and my organization kind of fell into, you know, fell into a, a good mix working with events and I could hire creative people and, and I could, um, you know, get things done with clients. And I really enjoyed that experience. But after about three, four years, I kind of realized that in the end, it was the working with the creative people that I enjoyed the most, the actual, like, you know, hosting events. <laughs> well, it, it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was tired of, uh, you know, dealing with, you know, the actual event part, if you will, but the production part I loved and the, um, uh, the organizing part I really loved at that same time, uh, my friendship with David Dushman, um, you know, we were getting closer and closer as good friends and, uh, and his business, his photography business was kind of really, it was really changing. You know, there was a lot going on. He had his first print book out. He was getting a lot of demands on his time. And so, um, you know, we were, um, not only, um, good friends, but we were sort of, you know, business, um, buddies, you know, like, uh, sidekicks, we would sort of, you know, chime in on each other's businesses, give advice or support. And, you know, I was tapping, uh, on his shoulder for favors. He was doing the same for me. And one time he was going on a trip uh, on a photography assignment and he knew he was going to be offline for a couple of weeks. And so he asked me a favor. He's like, you know, could you watch my inbox and just, you know, respond kindly to, you know, people's inquiries saying, you know, David's away, uh, you know, he'll get back to you as soon as he's back. He didn't want to do the, you know, the autoresponder. Mm-hmm. He wanted touch. So I said, yeah, no problem. I'll, I'll, you know, forward those emails to me, you know, automatically from your server and I'll take care of that for you. Uh, he came back from his trip and I kind of said, you know what, I'm not going to give you your inbox back. <laughs> <laughs> Might be best for, for me to continue doing this. And, and that freed him up instead of worrying about all these emails and queries and questions and people wanting a piece of him. He just said, you know, I'm going to focus on the ones that you, you know, escalate to me and um, let's just work together on that. So that grew from there. And, you know, as his business grew, as the demands of whether it was, you know, clients or, you know, readers or, or customers, you know, um, came to him, uh, I just, they actually ended up just coming to me and then I just field it from there. So, you know, now David's able to focus on, you know, making photographs and writing as he does so well. And, uh, you know, I handle aspects like the publishing company, which is Craft and Vision. So I take care of a lot of the aspects of Craft and Vision, uh, as well as other aspects of his business, deal with accountants and lawyers and contractors and and kind of keep the operation going so that if he's like, you know, going to be joining you, you know, off the grid uh, in, in uh, Hokkaido, he can do that knowing that his business is running and making money and keeping uh, everyone and everything happy. So it's been a process of about eight years and uh, been doing what I've been doing uh, for about four or so. So it's been a really fun process to get where I am now. Wow, that's it. Sounds sounds incredible. And you've actually just answered uh, a good part of one of the questions that I had a little bit further down the list, which was, as a photographer, what are the benefits of having a manager? And what should a photographer 
uh, do to try and hook up with one. So obviously, I mean, you, you've just answered a lot of that about um, what you do for David. Um, is, is there anything else that we want to add there? Or shall we jump onto the second part of this question about you know what, what a photographer should do to get one? Oh, yeah. I mean, let me, I, I can probably answer, you know, that in, in uh, both those questions and sort of a one long answer, if you yeah. don't mind. Sure. Um, I mean, the, the, the benefits of having a, a business manager is that, um, is that your creativity as a photographer and your ability to um, make photographs that you uh, really understand how you made them and that your um, creative investment and your relationship as sort of the artist and your relationship as the, you know, as, as the, the person that's really getting hired, that takes a lot of energy. And when you can focus on that, um, you know, ultimately you become more valuable, right? Mm. You become a, a better commodity in the marketplace um, when you have that level uh, you can really focus on your expertise and focus on you on what you know really well so it's sort of, in a lot of ways it's it's about removing distraction and it's about removing the things that you know really just don't make the biggest difference to your ability to generate value um, and revenue so you know there's really it comes down to you know focusing on what you do best that's one of the, uh, one benefits and the other one I find, and what I've experienced is that making the most of a business opportunity that can be done so much better when when there's help, mm-hmm. when there's something that can, uh, you know, massage a relationship or ask some of the hard questions or push back and sort of say, you know, this isn't really looking like, you know, the way we had discussed. Let's go about this again. And you know, as a business manager, I get to sort of play good cop and bad cop, depending on what my clients need. And it means that I can sort of be that, that go between, I can sort of um, deal with some of those bits. And when a photographer um, has someone in their back pocket, that isn't just someone that they delegate to. And that's commonly what happens is a photographer starts getting busier, or they feel like they need some help. So what do they do? They bring on, you know, an assistant, or they bring in someone that they can delegate work to. The problem is that then you're just delegating, you're, you're, you're managing someone, and you're having to you know, with work and you end up um, kind of doing a, a lot of the work yourself. And you would never put that person in a room with a client necessarily. You wouldn't have them dealing with a lot of those things. So as a business manager, I get to sort of, I get to have those big conversations. I get to have those opportunities where, or I get to make those opportunities where, you know, my client can come in and sort of be the, okay, now the photographer's here. He's going to address the things that he knows best. And then the client slides the contract across the table and I take the contract and I say, I will review this. And, you know, the photographer and I will get back to you with our comments or concerns. And and I get to sort of play that middleman. So photographers definitely can benefit from, you know, uh, focusing on their own creativity. And when it comes to making the most of an opportunity that there's, you know, that opportunity has creative benefits and it has business benefits. And sometimes it's good to have a business mind um, help with those bits. So when it comes to finding a manager, I have to say that, you know, one of the things I've really enjoyed about, uh, you know, my experience experience is that, you know, there's not a lot of resources out there. So on the first step, um, you know, if, if a photographer can find someone within their own network, a, a friend, someone that's got some, you know, a business mind, a marketing mind that has a little bit of time on the side, you know what? If you can build that relationship up as either a collaboration or as a bit of a contracting thing and sort of, you know, you're not delegating photography work. You're not delegating, you know, I need you to, you know, edit images. Um, I need you to, it's other stuff. It's some of the business stuff. Um, that might be a great way to start. I mean, again, that's how David and I started. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe 
someone in, in a photographer's life that can sort of pick up the slack and that it's stuff that they enjoy. It's not, it's not, you know, grunt work. It's that they enjoy the business stuff of, of the creative work. Mm. Um, instead of that, you know, there are a lot of, um, uh, people out there that operate like agents or reps more often than not an agent or a rep is involved in the um, soliciting side, sort of the, you know, bringing business in the door. And, and that is great. And that it can be a really valuable role. In fact, you know, there's room in my business structure to have agents involved with my clients. I don't, I am not an agent. I don't solicit on behalf of, of my clients. So there's lots of room for lots of different kinds of people. And if a photographer is, is fairly organized, feels like they've got a handle on the business stuff, you know, then maybe an agent or a rep is the right person to, to get involved um, with their work. Um, that agent or rep will take a commission off, you know, work one, but they don't usually generate um, a cost to a photographer if there's not new business coming in. So, you know, it, if if people were to Google search for their area or for their country or their state or province, you know, who are the photography reps in the area or agents, you know, it's always worth, you know, reaching out to them and showing your portfolio and hopefully a, an agent or rep will find, you know, you of value. Um, but as a business manager, I don't work on commission. Um, it's sort of, I make the, you know, I have my rates and it's sort of, it is what it is. And if my clients suddenly get really, really rich, well, I don't get rich <laughs> off oh. them. Um, but when my, you know, if there's gaps between revenue, then that my clients have to decide if, you know, if my role is, you know, is important to maintain. So it's sort of, it's one of those um, ebbs and flows that comes into it. But um, uh, yeah, I don't have an answer about where to really find business managers for photographers um, other than, uh, you know, tapping on a, a, a local, a local friend, you know, someone that can roll up their sleeves with you. It's, uh, mm. it's good to that way anyway. Well, that sounds exactly the way the way you did it with David, and and I guess that comes back to the networking part that we talked about as well. The importance of that, because you're not going to meet someone that you might end up, uh, per, you know, partnering with like you and David have if you're not out there. So, agreed. Yeah. So, okay, we'll do a couple of these three things uh, lists. So, what are, what are three things that you think photographers should do to become more successful? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, ultimately, you can only do so much. So, you know, having a, a list of three is probably a good way to go. Um, you know, I think the number one thing is you have to push your creativity. And a lot of people think it's weird that a business manager would start with talking about creativity. Like, what would I have to say about it? But the reality is, is that um, your ability to market your photography um, is really rooted in your talent. It's rooted in your craft and how well you know it, how well you um, push the envelope. And when you are pushing your own personal creativity, you're making waves. You're, you're, you will find it easier to do what you do when you're feeling that angst and that push and that drive to try new things. So mm -hmm. I think you know, that creative envelope is, is imperative that it's pushed all the time. I think that getting organized is so important, whether it's your digital files, whether it's your paperwork, whether it's having good, clear, simple invoices, um, whether it's dealing with your taxes in such a way that, you know, you've got accordion files with, you know, envelopes with, you know, you're organizing your receipts so you're not dealing with a giant shoebox. Um, if, you know, you're, when it comes to planning out a, a shoot, you know, do you have a, uh, you know, an organized checklist that you can bring over from your previous shoot so that you don't have to keep replicating the work, finding things to kind of make systems. Those little bits, I, I would love it 
if photographers would take like camera free weeks, you know, like one week a year, put the camera down and focus on everything that has, you know, anything to do with the things that require no camera whatsoever or no computer, even if you have to do it that way. But there's things that need to get organized that have nothing to do with making photographs. And those things cause stress. So if you're looking to be successful, you want to remove the barriers to being stressed. And that's one of them is to get organized. So I think it's a big thing. And then the, the third thing about, you know, when it comes to be being more successful as a photographer, I think you have to make people curious. And a lot of, there's a lot of people wanting to, you know, they want to spread the word. They want to be good self-promoters. They, they really want to, you know, get people to, to see their work. But if they're not making photographs and doing things as a creative human that, you know, get people um, curious in what they're doing, then really you're just jamming stuff down people's throat. You're kind of begging and, and pleading and, you know, pay attention to me, look at me, look at my work. And uh, it, it that doesn't get people excited. So I whatever it is, whether it's based on your interest level, you know, your hobbies, or it's, you know, the subject matter of your work, or it's the the style or the aesthetic of your portfolio. And then ultimately, you know, an image that you share, you know, get people curious, make people kind of go, like, what, like, I need to learn more about this person, this image, this photograph, whatever it is, it's, you know, pushing the envelope of curious making is, uh, is probably a better way to approach one's marketing uh, than, you know, than anything else. Three pieces of golden advice right there. So what are the three things that photographers should stop doing to be more successful? That's a great question. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, kind of to jump off uh, an earlier comment is that the if you could stop as a photographer, if you were to stop treating your email inbox like your system, you know, like mm. your get organized system. Um, I think that um, you, a person would like that would gain a lot because what happens is, is people treat their inboxes like, you know, like it's their, it's their thing. It's how they stay organized. It's how they keep track of people and things and projects and, and uh, things that they want to accomplish. And they, they might even feel like they're going to get organized. They're going to organize, you know, mailbox folders and flags. And, and if you treat your inbox like your organizing system, mm. it means that um, your project information, your shooting information, the, the, the relationship that you're trying to build, all that information, all those opportunities, all those human contacts are all in the worst possible place that they could be. Uh, inboxes, email, I think is quite scary. I think it's a very um, dangerous tool because it can be so easily ignored or abused uh, or, or misused. And uh, so I, I really like to see people find uh, and create systems that are outside of their inbox. It creates uh, more opportunity for creativity, it creates more opportunity to actually be organized in a way that's productive. So I think that's, um, I, for me, it feels like that's number one. Mm. Um, the, the second thing would be to take a longer approach. And, you know, photographers um, have this um, insatiable desire with based on, you know, the latest, you know, Canon advertisement that says, you know, become a pro, buy this lens and become a pro. Um, there's this sort of quick um, scheme mentality uh, in a sort of um, going pro type 
industry. And I really love to see photographers, um, you know, calm down, take a deep breath and look at their creative work as something that's going to take them uh, some time to develop those relationships, to hone their craft. So a longer approach um, would, would go really well. So if they were to sort of, if they were to stop that sort of that panic approach, uh, it would go a long way. And then thirdly, I think that if a photographer stops pushing on their social networks, I think that they'll be more successful. I see a lot of photographers sharing, you know, sharing images, hoping for likes and on Facebook and hoping for retweets and, and looking at, um, they'll do a blog post and, and, or they'd make something happen on a social network and they're, how many, how many, you know, forwards do I get? How many plus ones do I get? How many comments am I getting? And they're really pushing. They're sort of, they're not, um, they're not leaving much to the imagination and the people that are looking at it kind of go, I get it. They're a photographer. They've got an image of making photographs, whatever. Um, and it's a real sort of push marketing mentality. And really what that's doing is you're just making noise. So, you know, I'd like to encourage photographers to focus on making a difference or make people curious, do the, do the things that, you know, aren't so um, desperate looking. Uh, so that desperation needs to kind of, <laughs> it would need to stop in order for someone, I think, to experience success. I don't know any successful photographer that hoard themselves out to their social networks, um, you know, 24-7. So I think photographers should spend half as much time on their social networks. I think they'll become better marketers. They'll become better people amongst the, you know, those that know them, like them, love them, or need to get to know them um, if they're spending less time, you know, on their social networks. So. Uh, again three pieces of golden advice there and, and i now feel happy that i don't get enough or, or i don't set enough time aside for the social networks so i'm uh, i'm happy to hear that um so okay one last question uh what's it like being david duchemin's master uh, manager i was gonna say master there <laughs> or it may be both um, it's very clear. He is boss man. Um, in fact, um, Eileen and I in our business tandem agency, we have a, a little sort of tagline that says, you are Batman, we are Robin. Mm-hmm. We've, you know, David is definitely the boss man. Uh, being David's manager is an absolute riot. And like I said earlier, I have the benefit of also being, um, you know, his closest friend. And, you know, so our, our connection, just like how you said your work life balance doesn't really exist because, you know, it's all great it's all you love to you love to live your life um my friendship uh, with david and my working relationship with david are very much intertwined so you know i have the benefit of you know uh, opportunities to travel with him both for work and you know for fun um and you know he is so creative when when he comes home from a trip in fact i always worry like his trip to uh hokkaido with you uh he's going to come back so inspired it'll be his first trip to japan so he's going to come home and he's going to i know it's just going to spark ideas and you know knowing him it's going to be some new business idea or some new personal project. I mean, the guy is just jacked up with ideas all the time. So when he comes home from these trips that he takes so often, you know, he's so energized and I get a chance to, you know, I usually get one of the first downloads, right? You know, he's the one, you know, says we have to have a coffee meeting. You know, we have to talk. We got, I got some ideas and, and he unloads on me. He, I double click the, you know, the, the zip folder, if you will, and I, all this stuff from him and it's so inspiring. <laughs> I, you know, the, 
being his manager is, 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 I call it an epic ride. It's an epic adventure uh, in both create my creative uh, life and my business life. So uh, he really pushes me. You know, he's, he's got, uh, he moves really, really fast. And when he's got an idea, he wants to act on it really quickly. So I have to be ready. I have to, you know, get ready to get organized or get ready to ask questions or get ready to, you know, ask for favors or, you know, tap on people's shoulders or um, build a budget or whatever it takes. So it's, uh, it's a real riot uh, working with him. It's a work that I don't take for granted and I really enjoy it. Wow. It sounds like you're, you're living the dream as well. So um, I, I want to just touch on one last thing before we, before we close. And that's that, you know, a number of times during the last hour, you've, you've talked about photographers and creative people, and you often talk about them as, as like the other, the other type of person. But I, I know from talking to you and from what you've done that although it might not be artistic creativity, the, the business sense and, and all of the stuff that you seem to do is, is incredibly creative in your own field. And so I, uh, you know, I don't think that there are many people in business that are as creative in, in the way they do things as you seem to be. So I think we, we, I just wanted to sort of clarify uh, for the listener, that creativity doesn't necessarily mean making something beautiful that's artistic. You know, anything, even from your event planning, I I know that you you were very creative in how you did all of that. So let's not think of creativity as just an artistic pastime. It's or or a career. It's uh, you know when 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 you listen to people like Corwin here, there's creativity all through that. So it's been a lot of fun talking with you this morning or this evening for you. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been really great, Martin. And I enjoy working with you as a, as a craft and vision author and keeping tabs on the work that you do. And uh, it's, it's fun to see you, uh, you know, as, as the way that you work to help other photographers enjoy their creative life and to enjoy the experience they have making photographs. It's really, really, really interesting. Well, thank you very much. It's, uh, and, you know, it, it's been a lot of fun this morning and uh, and working with you through craft and vision as well it's it's all good stuff uh so so maybe we're both living the dream and and we hope that uh a lot of other people can through the stuff that we do can can get closer to their dream as well i agree sounds great okay well really thank you very much for for your time today and uh, i look forward to chatting again at some time you bet thanks martin Okay, so that's it. I had a lot of fun chatting with Corwin there for that hour. A couple of things before we finish. Uh, I'm obviously, uh, as we mentioned, I'm going off to Hokkaido again for the next two weeks. So I haven't had time to record any, to pre-record any episodes. But we've, you know, this is this is the second episode this week. So forgive me for not putting anything out while I'm away. I'll be back onto the podcast again. It's probably by around Monday or Tuesday in two weeks' time. And also, if you are a TWIP listener, This Week in Photo, and if you're not, you should be. And I had the pleasure of hosting TWIP this week. And so it was, um, Frederick was busy, and so I jumped on as the host. Uh, just three of us, including me, uh, had a, a great conversation, though. Uh, so that's up on thisweekinphoto.com right now. So take a listen to that. Also, as I travel with David and our group in Nagano for the Snow Monkeys and then Hokkaido 
over this next two weeks, I'm probably going to be loading images and maybe not daily, but relatively frequently onto Google Plus. I'll create an event and start to drop images in there. And as soon as the the, the participants get uh, you know online, we're going to be putting their images in there as well. So do take a look. Uh, the easiest way to find me on Google Plus is to just use the link mbp.ac/g+, and that's G P L U S. We're going to have a blast, and I wish you were here, as they say. Uh, hopefully, in future years. But for now, if you're not one of the other people that are joining David and I, then at least you can you can join us vicariously with the help of Google Plus. So, really, though, thanks very much for listening today. Remember that you can find me on Google Plus and Twitter, and there are other places that I'm I'm out and about on online. And links to everything that I'm up to are on the top page at martinbaileyphotography.com. So do drop by and take a look. And I'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with another episode. But in the meantime, you take care and have a great week, whatever you're doing. Bye-bye.